This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Bless you. Thank you very much. I got that out of the way. Good afternoon, everyone. It is 2 p.m. Central Time on March the 21st, and you're listening to Altitude Adjustment, the weekly pod- well, the twice-weekly podcast now that we do Fridays and Saturdays uh, about people, politics, and professions. And today we are talk. Today's edition is uh, honor and integrity. Um, I am really excited about some of the guests, about all of the guests that we have coming up. Today was a today was a fantastic day for news. There was so much great news uh, out there today. I almost like wanted to do a whole whole show about little bitty bits of news. But uh, we're, we're gonna hit a couple of items first and then we'll get into the main topic for today. Okay. Uh, huh? The main topic? Yeah. Okay. Honor and Integrity. Integrity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that. That's one. what I saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> well, I had I had prepared my mind to move on forward, so okay. So I I got the honor and integrity out, um, the first time, and then I was done with it, so I didn't need it anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, no I appreciate problem. you. I appreciate you. You, you know, remembering for me because it made me look good bad <laughs> that I well, couldn't remember. I, mean, I, I don't always have a good memory, but, you know, I just happen to remember that one. Well, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. So yeah. coming up, uh, let's see. Coming up Ooh. on May the 22nd, we have Sarah St. John. Uh, that's tomorrow. She's a podcaster and a business person. She's written, written several books. Uh, one on frugalpreneur. It's about running a business on a budget, um, making sure that you do the things that you need to do and save yourself money and how to get that ha- make that happen. That's tomorrow. On the 29th of May, we have Charles Jacob. He's a financial risk expert and an author who's authored a thriller, The Pangea Solution, which reveals the growing danger at the crossroads of overpopulation and food shortages. Looking forward to that. June the 5th, Shelly Kenow. She is an educator. She's actually from the St. Louis, the, in the St. Louis area. Not from St. Louis, but a little further out. Um, Shelly Kenow, she's an educator and a podcaster, and she deals with educable mentally retor- uh, challenged. I want to make sure I use the right word. Um, when you don't operate in those circles, you, there's a tendency to probably use the wrong verbiage, and it's important uh, as we are as we're learning now because uh, the the whole pronoun issue has become um, front and center. So being able to correctly use the right verbiage is important. Coming up on June the 11th, Mr. Colin McIntosh. He is the CEO and founder of Sheets and giggles let me say that again he's the ceo and founder of sheets and giggles we'll play on uh, uh, uh wording 
And he created eucalyptus bedding, eucalyptus sheets and pillowcases and comforters. And he's going to come in and talk about uh, putting his business out there and uh, making a success out of it and and, uh, tell us about eucalyptus sheets. On June the 12th, we have August Jade Sterling. She's an author of the book, The American Duke. And I had a really great conversation with her. And so you're really going to enjoy her. She's a fantastic lady. She's a lady of uh, color. And when she started her book, she's, it's a, she says it started out as a romance novel and turned into something a whole lot more. And I've got that on my tablet, and I'm going to try to get that in before she shows up on the show. But that's coming up on June the 12th. Then our, we're taking a summer vacation. June the 26th through August the 20th. So the last show uh, before the break would be June the 26th, and then the the next show coming back would be on August the 20th. Then on uh, September the 17th, we have uh, best-selling author Mary Roach. Now, I encourage you to do a YouTube search for Mary Roach. Um... The reason, the way I came into uh, being introduced to her was a video I found where she talked about the female orgasm. And it was extremely interesting. She's got a new book coming up, which is what she's going to be doing her press on, and we get to be a part of that. Ah, I kind of lost you there. Hold on a second. Yeah, I was. Uh, did you see the something? Why did you say something? <laughs> I, well, I was about to say something. I sent you a text. I was like, hey, wait a minute. I saw the I text, but, you know, I, I ignore the phones. So I turn oh, okay. off the house phone and, and I, you know, I always keep my cell phone on vibrate. So I don't really worry about that. So I saw the text come happened? through. Huh? What happened? So in the setup, somehow, sometimes when I switch between OBS and the chat window, um, it will blank out the video in the chat window. So I have oh. to do something special to, do, to, uh, to get that back to work. But anyway, coming up. Oh, so this is, it's, it's yellow. I don't know if you won't be able to see that because of the light. Fuzz. Yeah, she's got a new book coming up. This is the advanced reading copy. So this is, there's things that are going to change about the book. But uh, her publicist uh, sent me a uh, reading copy to, to familiarize myself with it. Um, and before she comes on September the 17th, make sure you are here for that. Some of the things that uh, they say about Mary Roach. Um, there is much to enjoy about Mary Roach. Her infectious awe for quick, her infectious awe for quirky science and its nerdy adherence. Her one-liners, she is loved and justifiably so. That's John Ronson of the New York Times Book Review. Nobody does weird science quite like Mary Roach, Laxi Pando mm-hmm. of Wired, uh, and it goes on and on. So I am going to read that pre-release copy, and I'll be ready for her when she comes. Make sure that you are here to enjoy her with us. Also what on the horizon. Subtitle? Hmm? What was that subtitle? After Fuzz? When Nature Breaks the Law. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, so you know that that gave me a 
looking on the inside of the book, uh, what's to be done about a jaywalking moose? A grizzly bear <laughs> caught breaking and entering. Mm-hmm. A murderous tree. Okay. Mary, uh, as New York Times best-selling author Mary Roach discovers the curious science of human-wildlife conflict, a discipline at the crossroads of human behavior and wildlife biology. Wow. So that's actually a thing, when nature breaks the law. <laughs> if, if you haven't seen the video on YouTube, I implore you. It will it will definitely whet your appetite for that show. Uh, she is she is a force. So I really does enjoyed it make that. you laugh? Huh? Yes, does it made me laugh? Okay. And and, okay. and she inspires yeah. questions. Okay. And she inspires <laughs> questions. So right, I got you. Oh man, you just you don't know. You, I, I encourage you to go do that, especially before that. For those for those uh, listeners who are not watching the video, on the cover of the book is a giant fuzz for U Z Z, and there is a um, picture looks like a Boy Scout patch or something, but it's just mm-hmm. a patch, and it's got uh, animals in the background and a bear rummaging through trash cans and trees and stuff and um i'm really excited about having her come on i'm really looking forward to that uh, that chance to talk right. to her about that book right. yeah uh, that's interesting I, I i first off i would say hey you know <laughs> if i was an animal or if i was nature what the heck would i know or care about the law <laughs> <laughs> Well, until I read the book, it's going to be hard for me to to to, to address that. No, no, I'm, I'm just making a comment. I'm like, I understand. I, I truly understand. I truly understand. I'm just uh, so so. One of the things that has occurred recently. So we had a guest on uh, Angelica Robles, and I got to read her book. I got a pre-release of that, and mm. since that time, I've taken on two or three new books. Uh, and I hadn't read a novel in a while, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm really getting into this, um, you know, preparing for a show by reading people's books. We've got several authors coming on. I think I mentioned them. Uh, Ch- Charles Jacob, he's got a, a, um, a thriller novel that's coming on. Um, Jade Sterling's book. Uh, also coming up, we've got... Uh, they haven't. They haven't actually uh, picked a date yet when they're going to come on. Um, mm-hmm. But we've got. Let's see, Wendy Bergen. She's an author, uh, and okay. she's a white teacher at an HBCU. Okay, is that that rare? Don't know, but she's going to come and talk about her experience. That would be nice, interesting to know what that experience was like. Exactly. Especially in, in this current time as... Mm-hmm. as Black as Lives Matter, Black yada, Lives yada, Matter. yada, you know. Right, yeah, exactly. Definitely. So also coming up, we've got Andrew Lee. He's an independent 
presidential candidate for the 2024 election? Andrew Lee. Andrew Lee. Never heard of him. No, you probably haven't. <laughs> He's, he, he builds himself as a poor person candidate. So He's obviously trying to run a, a campaign on mm-hmm. a few dollars. And, and, and we're going to talk about It's his biggest problem. <laughs> well, we got to talk about his experience. Um, sure. You know, I, I there. Are, so from my understanding, there's about 200 or 50 more or, or more people that run for president every year. And basically, we mm-hmm. only hear about four or five or 20. Exactly. And so it was going to be interesting to talk to him about his platform and, you know, what is it taking to get on some ballots and, you know, what is his anticipation for his participation in the process of becoming president of the United States. And I think that that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest problems is that, uh, the standard or the quota for getting into the debates. Uh, what is it? What do they have to get before they let them in? Well, that's so. So that changes. Uh, that changes on a regular basis because it is run by the political parties themselves. So the Democrats okay. run their debates, the Republicans run their debates, and I think the Green Party and some of the other the. Uh, um, Oh, I can't think of the party's name, but they will hold smaller debates, which will get a blurb or a mention on <laughs> the major right. news, but, but right. it won't, they won't, you know, get much recognition. They won't get any real time, airtime. Right, any real airtime. But the democracy now does cover, you know, quite a bit of that, give you an opportunity to meet okay. some of those alternate candidates. I don't want to call them alternate candidates to meet some of the other candidates that are running for president mm-hmm. of the United States. And I think that that's a great thing that more and more people feel comfortable um, putting their hat in the ring for to become president of the United States. Um, the more people that we have that run for president, the more likely we are to pick a good candidate. Well, sure. I mean, after Trump, I mean, everything's changed. People are saying, what the heck, you know? <laughs> okay. Whole world's changing now. <laughs> you know, I don't, when you bring Trump into the conversation, it kind of really alters the conversation in ways that are just, you know, I, I just okay. hesitate to to even, you know, go down that path because just, you know, it's just... So anyway, right, right. Well, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm just referencing the time and the situation, the way, the state of things right now. Understood, understood. So I have no problem with that. I'll leave just, the name out of it. <laughs> just, I just. <laughs> all righty. Things ain't what they used to be. Things, and then they're, they and then in a way they are. <laughs> also, also in the wings, uh, coming on. I hope before real soon is Gemma. Edwards had a fantastic conversation with her. She is a British British citizen mm-hmm. and she's a woman in engineering and the banking industry. And she's going to come on and talk about um, UK politics as a, as they um, 
cross with American politics. Um, and she's going to talk about engineering and banking. Uh, that is a conversation I am absolutely looking forward to. I'm actually looking forward to all of them. Uh, all of these people yeah. have uh, provided great material. So make sure that you share this podcast. Make sure you let people know about uh, the podcast because we, we're doing, I think we're doing great things. I think there's going to be plenty of information there for people to, um, you know, enjoy. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's, that's going to be very interesting to hear what this lady from Britain has to say about their politics over there. Sure. But, she, but she's also talking about how, uh, how American politics look from, mm -hmm from across the, the water. Well, we already know. You think so? <laughs> no, I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's interesting because um, that's a very um, varied and diverse scenario as well because it depends on who's looking. You know, there's uh, people that align with what's going on and there's people that are looking like going what the f <laughs> I agree. you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so so and that's the same way with with us looking at them right now with with uh the ex-royals being over here stirring up a whole lot of crap you know they're looking at us and and them and talking about that and we're looking at Oh, really? You know, they're in the news a lot. Yes. Did you have a did you have a comment you wanted to make about them? Other than alluding to the fact that they're over here stirring up shit? Not really, because <laughs> okay. they don't I have really not much to say about them. I mean, that's what goes on over there doesn't affect me over here. I just kind of look at and laugh at a lot of the uh, comments and, well, I mean, and it, you know, the Royals. So you, you did allude to the, to, um, uh, I want to say Harry and Harry and Meg Megan. Mm -hmm. It's Harry. I said, I said, I don't follow. I don't it's Harry follow. and Megan. Okay. I don't, I, I seen him a couple of times. I watched the interview, uh, but I didn't commit his name to, to memory, Megan right. is easy because I used to watch um, Suits. Suits. I, I really like that show. Yeah. Well, you know, it is what it is. But I didn't watch it. <laughs> so, so I watched it. So you and I actually sat and watched that, didn't we? Uh, we might might have watched an episode. Yeah. Usually, of, I watched. Whatever, if I watched it, know. it was always on. Um. Um. After it had, it had aired, and it was mm -hmm. in video someplace. Yeah, yeah. Well, the times yeah. I watched it, I wasn't really particularly uh, impressed with her character. Anyway, I mean, you know, she was just oh, there. That was me. <laughs> 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 that was that was you just digging. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm just keeping it real. I mean, I didn't. I didn't I, say I, you weren't keeping it real. <laughs> you know, right? I understand. <laughs> sure, sure. Right. So one of the, as I said, there were like a ton of news stories uh, that I found today that I, that I thought were really interesting. And I'm going to start with one that's local here in St. Louis. 
Okay. So a gentleman named Robert Fernandez won a $150,000 lawsuit against the county of St. Louis County. Hmm. He was picked up and arrested on several occasions and fined for panhandling at the Interstate 55 exit in South County. So now most people in St. Louis, I don't, don't know about other you know, parts of the country. I'm sure it's probably the same. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a large contingent, uh, contingent of people at uh, busy intersections, usually um, entrances and exit ramps for interstates in the area. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, people stand outside and they hold up signs saying that they're homeless and will either work for money or will accept donations. So the county had a uh, requirement for you had to have a solicitation license to be right, able to do that. Right. Now, the uh, solicitation license had two carve-outs. It exempted politicians and it exempted non-monetary solicitors. So politicians can stand at intersections and solicit for your vote. And mm-hmm. if... if, if uh, you know, if, if someone was at an intersection, as long as they weren't collecting money, you know, they could they could solicit whatever, you know, goods and services or whatever they wanted to solicit. So including um, food. Huh? How about food? I don't I don't know. The article didn't say. OK. So what happened was the the guy somehow wound up in court. The court mm-hmm. found that the. um Requirement was uh, is 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 unconstitutional, mm-hmm. and they struck it down, and they awarded Mr. Fernandez a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow! For his troubles, so so I guess you know that little bit of that. I'm gonna say a little bit. The, the <laughs> he got something out of it, and we got something out of it. So. Well, I would say he's probably not homeless anymore. That would be it. That would. I don't know how much his lawyer got, but even even with that, I'm sh- right. I'm sure he's comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for how long we don't know, because you know that that, that money's going to go fast. One hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, I guess it could. But I mean, yeah. I'm thinking, I I you have one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and you were homeless. Mm-hmm. Um. I guess you would argue that if you were homeless, um, it might have been, and I'm going to say it always is, it might have been that some of the decisions that you made weren't the best. So now you have $150,000 if you were one of the people who are homeless because of decisions that you made. Mm-hmm. The $150,000 $50, will allow you to make more um, <laughs> intelligent decisions. Um. But I don't want to. I don't want to categorize his homelessness as that, because you never know. There's there's a lot of other reasons to be homeless. So it's not always your decision to be homeless, and it's not always something right. that you did that causes your homelessness. Yeah, that's true. We, we you know, maybe um, 
some people, somebody will follow him and see how that pans out in six months, a year, two years down the line. Mm. I'm sure that'll be a, a, a news item if he all of a sudden appears on the street panhandling again. <laughs> again. And, and, and I wouldn't be <laughs> so, so I just want a $150,000 suit mm-hmm. for panhandling. Okay. Now, I look at that and go, you know what? I can eat and, you know, have a few nice things and I can continue to panhandle on a different corner and maybe I'll hit the jackpot again. It's quite possible. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was muting my mic because of the noise. But... Oh, you got noise going on? Yeah, can you hear it? I heard something. That's nah, vacuum cleaner, you know. Ah, very good. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice so, mess with that one. <laughs> the next news article, and then I'm, I'm going to make this the last because I had about three more. Arizona's secretary, and you could see the, um, if you look down in the um, scrolling text underneath, uh, it's mm-hmm. from this news story. Um Arizona's Secretary of State informed Maricopa County officials Thursday that hundreds of the state's voting vote tabulating machines should no longer be used because of their handling by the inept partisan company hired by Senate Republicans to recount ballots cast in November's presidential election. The machine should not be used again because there is no way of knowing whether they were tampered with while out of the country of the county's custody and under the control of Senate Republicans and the controversial cyber ninjas company conducting the recount. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security told Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, as she said in a letter to the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors. Well, I'm and pretty sure that um, if the shoe were on the other foot, the Republicans would say the exact same thing. I'm no sure. doubt about that. <laughs> and and they say that, that it would take millions of dollars to replace those machines. Okay, so now what? <laughs> I read the article and I don't, you know, they just, they basically talked about the damage that was done by this um by this yeah. ill effort, Ill, ill-conceived effort. So where, where do we go to? Hand vote? Hand count? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, as I said, I, I, I don't remember seeing in the article where they talked about what the future was. It may be that they just got to cough up the millions of dollars to get new machines. Yeah. I mean, at this point, there is practically zero trust in the election system right now with the divide and the accusations and the sore losers, <laughs> you know, and their antics. I, I, there's no end to how far they'll go to make excuses and, and try to uh, twist things to their advantage. So that's just where we are right now. Sure. And then, um, and I think I saw recently, there were some Republican officials who were, you know, pleading, let's end this stuff now because, you know, as we're doing damage to all of the potential elections in the future, that as long as we keep entertaining mm-hmm. conspiracy theories about the election, 
you know, people will stop believing in the election and stop believing in our system of electing officials. And so some of that's the, scary. I, <laughs> if you look at January 6th and, and it gets worse, what next? And people were saying that at the beginning of Trump making all of these claims about the election. That was mm-hmm. what they were saying then. They were saying, you know, the, the peaceful transition of power is key to our democracy. Because that peaceful transition is what instills the comfort or, you know, belief in that our system is working. And Trump's continued bashing of the system is eroding that trust. Well, yeah, we, we all know there's no trust. But what's really scary is... What if the other side next time around gain power? Can you see how they would imagine how they would act the way they're acting without the power or or with what little power they have? If they had more power, how bad would it be? I mean, we can't even have a bipartisan committee on what happened at the Capitol. They, they, Refuse to seek the truth and let the truth be known, it, which makes no sense at all. Well, the one uh, isn't it supposed to be about bipartisanship? Well, the thing that um, there were there were politicians that denied that it was an insurrection. They denied that it was a conflict. It was, they denied that people got hurt. They, didn't, they just flat out denied what was clearly visible on the video, on tape. Exactly. And so when you have that, how do you get to compromise? How do you... When you don't mm-hmm. see the basic facts together, you have no place to start for a compromise. So true. The compromise Where do you go from starts, here? Right. It starts when we recognize that, that we're starting from the same point. So yeah. I, you know, when you say, you know, what's going to happen, it's going to be difficult. <laughs> it's, it's sad. It's really going to be difficult, and yeah, and you and in a democracy where you were, freedom of speech is corner. Um, it's going to be hard to find a way to keep Trump from continuing to spread disinformation. Because yeah. if you take any steps yeah. to to quiet him then you violated the whole concept of freedom of speech. I mean, as long as he's not, there are some limits and, and unfortunately he's making a case for, for more limits and the more limits that you place, the more people feel that their freedom is being taken away. Mm -hmm. But if you don't stop him, then he damages the whole system. 
you know, just made me think about something. <laughs> it's well, I won't say it's an evil thought, but it it as far as I'm concerned, it's based on some realities that have already occurred throughout history, even though people won't uh, admit it and will claim conspiracy theories, just like we've been discussing. But um, what if there were actual plans in place to deal with things or people when things get to a certain level? Be more descriptive. And hmm? Be more descriptive. I'm not sure I understand you. At what point or how bad do things have to get before you take out the threat? All right. I'm not going to ask you how to take out the threat. Uh, I'm going to leave that and say dealing with the threat of damage to the Republic is Im extremely important at this point. Absolutely. The thing is, is that we have people in Congress, in the seat of government, who are actually waging war on the Republic. A lot of people would say that. So you've got people who looked at the, looked at the events of January the 6th and said it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So now you've got Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, I, I don't even know what, what to say about this lady. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. Me either. What can you say? You know, Karen on steroids for sure. I, but but she's elected. So that means there are people in her district that wanted her there. That Absolutely. understood who she was and and wanted her there. So so let's just say that they voted for her and they didn't know all of this information. Now they do know all of this information and I don't hear any recall election going on. So this did you expect a recall? <laughs> well, if, 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 so Josh Hawley, mm -hmm. um, probably should, can be a candidate for recall. Um, in this state? Huh? <laughs> in this state? And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so we've, we've got people that are supporting this kind of behavior. Absolutely. Enough people that are supporting this kind of behavior and leaving these people in office. I think uh, if trends continue in the direction that they're going, people may just start getting the heck out of Dodge. And, and go and where? I mean, I, I don't know. What do you mean by getting out, out of Dodge? Moving. To where? Uh, someplace else. <laughs> you mean out of the country? 
maybe, but more likely out of the state at least. But yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean just okay? Okay. <clears throat> so I mean, other people are already talking about it, different scenarios. But look at Charles Blow's book. You know, I don't think at yeah, this he's point moving. the South would be ideal, though. <laughs> So we reached out to Charles Blow. Charles Blow blew us off. Right. Um, very he nicely. It was very nicely done. I can pull up the email. Right. But we got blew off. Um, so just as you mentioned, Charles Blow's book, or Charles Blow, in his attempt to elevate black people, Mm-hmm. has created talking points for further damaging the republic. Because it's, it's the idea that if you don't like the way things are going, that you consolidate into a, a more powerful um, position and then attack the uh, problem. And while that's a, it has benefits to it, there are also uh, aspects of it that are can be more damaging. So um, segregating ourselves to, to gain greater power mm-hmm. has a benefit and has a detriment. And so, I, I would really like to get his book to see what his take on how to mitigate those damages. Because if you don't sure. have a plan in place to mitigate the damages that you do, um, then your plan of putting forward, you know, creates more risk than it creates rewards. Well, every, every coin has two sides. So I think that, um, uh... You're right. There may be some negative points, but my point was that I think a lot of people are trying to figure this out and coming to the conclusion that sitting still where they are might not be the best option. Okay. I, I, so I can't, I can't talk to, you know, people moving and wanting to move every, Everyone, yeah. you know, at some point decides if if the the environment that they're living in is what they want, and then how to how to resolve that. And if moving is an option, um, then that's that's one thing. And if if moving is not an option, then what do you do? You know, I so so he's talking about black people moving to uh, down south and consolidating. Mm-hmm black votes and the thing is because what about those people that that can't move they can't afford to move so what do we do we 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 all chip in as black folks to a big pot and then if you're a black person who can't afford to move or you know you're tied to a particular doctor because of your health or your a member family member's health you know how do we resolve all of those things so so the moving sounds great if everything is perfect or if everything is near perfect, you know, there, there are, 
a lot of different um, scenarios that are going to mm-hmm. impact the whole concept of moving. Well, sure, sure. As a matter of fact, where does he live? You, you, do you know? Uh, I think he's in New York, and okay. I don't know if that, you know, some some people have home in New York, and a home in someplace else, and then there also right. there's family. So family, the black community, we have a tendency to have, you know, where my people live, you know, I have a place to go. So, so I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't, I guess we could look it up real quick. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it really doesn't matter. And, uh, I was just curious, you know, uh, my personal point of view is, um, I'm not from the South. I've been to the South. Uh, if I was going to move, I, I'm not sure that would be at the top of my list. You know, moving uh, to the south. To the south, okay. Yeah. And then there's that aspect of it. Did yeah. he pick a state that that uh, that a majority of black people want to live in? You know, there's a lot of people don't like the humidity in the south, the heat. Sure. Don't sure. like the idea that uh, you know blacks were uh, enslaved in the south. Yeah. In the south. But at at the same time, you know, we tend to prefer warmer weather. So I think a lot of uh, blacks would consider that part of the deal. You know, I say pick California. I say California. I say pick California. You would pick California. I'm just saying, if you're going to pick a warm a warm climate, pick California. Well, we got beaches. It's okay. It's okay. I think their economy is a little difficult, um, especially if you're not from there. But I don't like California. And this is just me, the way my body is. The temperature fluctuation from like in the summer, it it can get very warm. But in the evening, all of a sudden it drops. There's too much fluctuation within a short period of time for me. And I, I don't really care for that. Yeah, very good. I would tend to get sick, but so let me get to this last story uh, because we're getting to the last twenty minutes, and so okay, let's do this one, and then I'm gonna play this video, and we'll come back and talk about it in just a second. All right. Oh, wait a minute. Experience. Welcome to prime time. If you would allow me a moment, if you remember, I told you back in the beginning of March, I can't cover my brother's troubles. It wouldn't be fair. And you got it then, and I appreciate you understanding. Now today, there are stories out there about me offering my brother advice. Of course I do. This is no revelation. I have said it publicly, and I certainly have never hidden it. I can be objective about just about any topic, but not about my family. Those of you who watch this show get it. Like you, I bet, my family means everything to me. And I am fiercely loyal to them. I'm family first, job second. But being a journalist and a brother to a politician is unique and a unique challenge, and I have a unique responsibility to balance those roles. It's not always easy. People can say and write what they want, but I want you to know the truth. 
How I helped my brother also matters. When my brother's situation became turbulent, being looped into calls with other friends of his and advisors that did include some of his staff, I understand why that was a problem for CNN. It will not happen again. It was a mistake because I put my colleagues here who I believe are the best in the business in a bad spot. I never intended for that. I would never intend for that. And I am sorry for that. It's also important for you to understand, not only do I not cover this here, I've never tried to influence this network's coverage of my brother. In fact, I've been walled off from it. This is a unique and difficult situation, and that's okay. I know where the line is. I can respect it and still be there for my family, which I must. I have to do that. I love my brother. I love my family. I love my job. And I love and respect my colleagues here at CNN. And again, to them, I'm truly sorry. You know who I am. You know what I'm about. And I want this to be said in public to you who give me the opportunity and to my colleagues who make me better at what I do. So now, <clears throat> I remember when, uh, when he first took that desk, and okay. I wasn't, I wasn't, I thought he got that because his name was Cuomo, and then over <laughs> the course of a couple of years, he showed me that he deserved, or at least he earned where he got, where he was. Um, oh. And so... And so I understand, I would hate to be in his position. Um, the one problem I had with his statement um, is he was, he was unequivocal about family first, job second. So that made me think if it's something I care about or I love, I will sacrifice everything else for that. And again, I understand, at least I, you know, I'm not on that level of accountability. Mm -hmm. I understand he is in an extremely difficult situation. But my trusting him means that I would like to see more conflict in him about doing the right thing. So if, if, if a family member, if you have a family member that does something illegal, and, and his brother's only accused of sexual harassment. I, I don't want to say only sexual harassment. So let me rephrase right. that. His brother is accused of sexual harassment. Yeah. Which is pretty common nowadays. <laughs> and I understand the desire to support family, but there has to be that conflict 
for someone who is in a position that has to shine a light on problems. Even if you take yourself out of the picture. Even if you take yourself out of the picture. I don't, he doesn't comment on his brother. He doesn't do anything at the network that impacts the coverage of the network of his brother. But to be so set into, um, I have things that are, that come before um, my job and, and to not be conflicted. I don't know what else he loves like he loves his brother. That may impact his decision-making. So for me, all I wanted is a little more conflicted. Um, and, and, I, and I understand that any show of weakness in his position is, can possibly be um, professional suicide. So I don't. I do you think? Hmm? You think what he said um, more more or less supported uh, the position with his job? No, I just I I think that you know he's he's trying to get out. He's been accused of some things, and he's trying his best to explain himself. And mm -hmm. let people who don't know him, because the people that work with him do know, and they have some inclination as to whether he's a, an honorable and um, um, what's that word again that I, I placed in my graphics that I forgot? In man of integrity. A man of integrity. If he has honor and integrity. Um, I I feel that over the, the time that I have watched him, that I feel like he strives for that. It's just, okay. you know, to say, I am going to put my family ahead of everything else. Um, I would, I would have a, I would, if I had a family member that I knew had committed a crime, I am going to be extremely conflicted. Mm. But I realize that I have to, that if they've done the crime, I have a responsibility. And that's where the conflict comes. Do I turn my family member in and then support them through the process? Mm, that's pretty deep. <laughs> That's pretty deep. Would he drop the dime on his brother if he knew something? Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. If you know yeah. that your family member has committed a crime, I can still support you by doing the right thing. It is my responsibility as a citizen to report a crime. Well, I can't speak for him. 
we don't know what he knows. We don't even know the truth. But it's a heck of a scenario that you just paint, paint it, you know, having to uh, hold something or to come forth with what you know because you knew and it was the right thing. That's um, that's a real um, tough decision for most people, I would think. Like you said, conflicted is a good word. It's a good description of being in that situation. St. St. Louis, just a um, year or so ago, installed a new police of chief. Police uh-huh. of chief, right? Chief of police. <laughs> police of chief. Chief of police. <laughs> yeah, I got you. And they had a campaign to stop gun violence by asking family members to turn in gang members in their family. Mm-hmm. Because there's not enough resources that the police can throw at it to stop the crime. St. Louis has the highest, uh, I think, highest murder rate in the country. Mm-hmm. And in order to in order yeah. to solve that, we have to have community involvement, and that means families right. have to be willing to step up. I hear what you're saying. Problem is, is that you know. The big word for that, that action is snitching. And that's very bad in the hood. I I know how bad crime is. I know the suffering, the consequences. But when you talk about snitching, that's a whole nother conversation. And I, I understand when you say you call it snitching. I call it responsibility. Sure. So, so whether you call it snitching or you call it responsibility, there's a conflict there. Do I turn in a family member when I know they've done something wrong? When do I, sure. when do I support and when do I not stop? And when do I to change how I support a family member? And that was, so what he said just, it struck that in me. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I believe he's an, an honorable man. I believe he means well. I just had a problem with that. Sure. sure. I'm not I'm not some monster I can say monster. I'm not I struggle with that. I would struggle with that. And and that's how I and I realize that maybe saying that might make my family members go, hey, I'm not going to commit a crime around him. I hope that's the case. Because don't put me in that situation where I have to choose between the right thing to do and the right thing to do for you as my family member. Yeah. Well, I understand that that's the situation I would not want to be in. But... I would want even less to be in the the second situation that you brought up about the crime in St. Louis, uh, not reporting uh, what you know, or as I said, snitching. A couple of problems. Number one, um, people, innocent people 
that aren't criminals, haven't done anything wrong, are very, number one, less likely to know. The ones that do know will definitely probably fear for their lives if they turn someone in. On the other hand, people that are more likely to know are probably the ones in the same category, other criminals. And for them to turn someone in to snitch is pretty much a death sentence as well. Because even if they could live on the street, if they ever got locked up and they went in as someone who snitched, it's over. I understand that. Um, but if, 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 if we all stay in our silos out of fear, then, then what we have, the high crime rate, the high death rate, is going to continue because it takes us as citizens stepping forward to, to stamp out crime, and that's just what it takes. And sometimes oh, you, may have to, you may have to turn in family in order to, to, to make this a better place for all of us. And I understand that's the conflict that's the that's that's the conflict that that we as citizens have to to live with we have to resolve that's the conflict that we have to resolve that's the and 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 we have to know that it's a conflict you know i, I just i can't I can't be comfortable saying I'm just absolutely. And he didn't say that. He didn't say he wasn't going to turn his brother in if his brother had done something wrong. But right. what he said was family first, my job second. He made that clear. Right. He specifically pointed to that to make it clear. Yes. It almost makes you think about uh, a certain culture that's really, really big on family. And I'm talking about basically the Italian guys, you know, no disrespect to them. Um, okay. And uh, <clears throat> uh, they don't snitch either. They know better. <laughs> I'm just so, keeping it real. So I <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying he knows anything, but hey, I'm just... Okay, so so not just Italian guys. What we're going to talk about is mafia guys. Okay, mafia because guys. Not all Italians are okay. mafia. That's not all yeah. Italians have that philosophy. So, but they know as, the culture. So, so just as not all black people eat chicken, <laughs> not all. Well, yeah, I just, I, just, I, I want to make it clear because I understand, I understand, right, what you mean, right? Okay, clear. clarify, break it down, right? Because I don't so, want you to be a, accused of, you know, um, prejudice or racism. Some prejudice. I, I know you. Okay. Just like no problem. Just like um, um, Cuomo's coworkers know him. Sure. So hopefully they will make sure. To, to better clarify the comments that he made 
that he has that he is struggling internally with it. Mm-hmm. Because so would, that do internal you think, struggle. Go ahead. Do you think people in his circle, especially above him, have uh, called him out or feel a need to uh, have a conversation about this video? I don't. I do not know enough about network. Um, so I've heard a lot of stories and I've seen a lot of video and I've, you know, about the culture and how, you know, management sends down messages that, sure. you know, to do this, that, and the other. Um, so with that, I don't, he felt comfortable enough to do it. Exactly. So, so management either is going to learn about it. They learned about it beforehand and, and wink, wink, it's okay. Or they're going to deal with it afterwards. Now, exactly when did that come out? I saw it today. Okay. So it's pretty so it hot right now. Yesterday. Okay. Because I think his show is mid-afternoon. So this could very well become a story real soon. We will keep our eyes open. We will be back tomorrow. I want to thank everybody for joining me. Have a great evening. All right. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you. <laughs>